1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to your post-daily news show for Friday, June the 17th. I am John Pollock alongside the returning Mr. Wei Ting. Hello, Wei.
0: Hello, John. I am back in, you know, a bit of a slow news day, I think.
1: Finally. Yes. Yes. We have uh, counted down all week to what we were going to do, our TNA Roundtable show, uh, but that has uh, blown up. We are going to be going into um, uh, the the largest news uh, that that I would say uh, has, has come down in in years um, regarding WWE and we have been covering it this week and that uh, continued on Friday morning with a pair of announcements from the WWE and I'm just going to go over the press release now and then we are going to welcome in our guests because the roundtable is still assembled so we are going forward with the roundtable but uh, Friday morning, WWE and the board of directors announced that a special committee of the board is conducting an investigation into alleged misconduct by its chairman and CEO, Vincent McMahon and John Laurinaitis, head of talent relations, and that effective immediately, McMahon has voluntarily stepped back from his responsibilities as CEO and chairman of the board until the conclusion of the investigation. McMahon will retain his role and responsibilities related to WWE's creative content during this period and remains committed to cooperating with the review underway. The special committee has appointed Stephanie McMahon to serve as interim CEO and interim chairwoman. Quote, I have pledged my complete cooperation to the investigation by the special committee, and I will do everything possible to support the investigation. I have also pledged to accept the findings and outcome of the investigation, whatever they are, said Mr. McMahon. Stephanie stated, I love this company and am committed to working with the independent directors to strengthen our culture and our company. It is extremely important to me that we have a safe and collaborative workplace. I have committed to doing everything in my power to help the special committee complete its work, including marshalling the cooperation of the entire company to assist in the completion of the investigation and to implement its findings. WWE and its board of directors take all allegations of misconduct very seriously. The independent directors of the board engaged independent legal counsel to assess assist them with an independent review. In addition, the special committee and WWE will work with an independent third party to conduct a comprehensive review of the company's compliance program, HR function, and overall culture. The company and the board do not expect to have further comment until the investigation is concluded. Not expecting further comment until the next press release that came out later that Vince McMahon will appear on Friday night Smackdown on Fox tonight. Unreal.
0: Um, I mean, what better way to handle, you know, what seems to be a national scandal, perhaps the biggest of your career than to directly appear on national TV in character, out of character. Um, some, somehow uh, it, it feels like, it and was. what
1: the difference is between the two as well, when you are speaking about Vince McMahon in a public spotlight as well. So, that's kind of the, the overall, um, latest. Um, and there's many sidebars that come with that. Uh, so I know everyone wants, uh, wants us to keep a 100 on this show as we are discussing this major news story. And in order to do so, we are bringing in the duo themselves, Brian Mann and Nate Milton, who are here on the post daily news show. Guys, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we were all set to go through the history of TNA slash impact wrestling that celebrates its 20th anniversary this Sunday, but a curveball, very, uh, very in tune with, with the theme of what today's show is going to be. And, uh, first of all, uh, Brian, uh, I wanted to start with you with just some of your overall reaction today as someone that uh, did work <clears throat> in the company in 2011 in a creative capacity and seeing the coverage this week and the many different doors that this opens of where, where this could all lead to.
2: I mean we were saying it before we, we started. Uh tonight could be the last time we see Vince McMahon on WWE TV. I don't think that's uh an out of line thing to uh to suggest. Um it'll be interesting to see, you know, does he appear in front of the in front of the crowd? Is it a pre-taped message? Uh I don't see any way that this doesn't backfire uh, on them, quite frankly. Um it also depends on, you know obviously the 300 million or the three million dollar payment uh was his own money they're saying it was consensual that's its own thing raising you know someone's uh you know doubling someone's salary after you start a sexual relationship with them that's that's obviously company funds the stuff with John Laurinaitis. for me the bigger question mark is what will the investigation find and will this Will this make people feel comfortable coming forward who maybe up until now haven't? Um, you know, we can talk about the NDAs. Obviously, I, I, it, this was not the first one, as the company has stated. But, um, you know, I think there's, you know, people maybe fear repercussions, especially when WWE kind of is the biggest game in town. Uh, that's a bridge you don't want to burn. Um, will people come forward with stories? Um, you know, I, I think there's things that we've all kind of heard being wrestling fans. Um, We've also seen the way that Vince McMahon has portrayed himself on television, um, which is um, very interesting. You know, this guy who uh, hits on all of his employees and forces them to do sexual favors for him. Um, The fact that he has depicted himself that way on television, I I think maybe gives us a look into the guy's psyche. Um, Again, this is all alleged alleged big, 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 bold letters, uh, uh alleged, um, it really comes out with the investigations, uh, discover though. But Man, if what, it comes what, out, Oh, sorry. I was going to wrap it up. I mean, if things come out with talent and that, uh, people being involved, uh, felt pressure to be involved with Vince for the sake of their careers. Now we're in a completely different territory. And I think that's when you get into a space where networks sponsors, Mm-hmm. will be demanding that Vince is not associated with this product uh, anymore
1: Nate, what are some of the questions that come to mind <clears> for you or just uh, initial observations uh, from th- and that extends to the wall street journal report and t- and today's company response?
3: Yeah, I think my initial thoughts on this when the news broke earlier in the week was it was surprising but not shocking right <clears throat> like if you've heard any of the stories or rumors or scuttlebutt around this dude for decades it does not surprise me that something like this would come out honestly I thought they would have tried to get Vince out the paint a few years ago during speaking out and I think the fact that he Barry Sanders juked his way around that was a feat in and of itself and so when we get to this point where we're hearing about the payments where we're hearing about him and Laurinaitis where we're hearing about kind of this culture that he's got around himself in this company, it is not surprising. I think the, the bigger question and this you know, alluding to what Brian was uh, speaking on is what is the reaction from the people that matter? And sorry to the viewers, we ain't the people that matter. The, the, the fans are not the people that matter. You know, it's corporate it's uh, you know, people that are invested financially in this company, What is going to be their level of tolerance for Vince McMahon? And I think what happens on SmackDown might go a a ways in terms of defining their thoughts. Because when when, when they came out and said, Vince is going to be on SmackDown tonight, my initial thought was the hubris, the hubris of this man. Like, to feel like I can go out here on TV whether in character or out of character or some weird amalgamation of both and talk around this. It, it ain't going to work, buddy. It might work for the people in the, in the, in the building, but it's not going to work overall. Like, I think it's a bad look. Uh, I'm intrigued though. Like, like looking at a car wreck, John, how this is going to play out. But,
1: and, and they know that that is obviously like the brazenness. I think yeah. is so <clears throat> apparent, and in a roundabout way, it really does encapsulate this: the idea that uh, someone of the level of Vince McMahon's power mm-hmm. can engage in a relationship with an employee. It's just like that to me. It just it crystallizes everything as something as simple as in at the height of this controversy, where I'm the center of an investigation. I will walk mm-hmm. onto network television tonight with the idea that I am going to turn this into a. A, a pseudo, if not outright promotional opportunity at, at all of this.
3: I mean, it's just it's the same company that used 9-11 as an allegory to the steroid trial, right? Like the views of this dude, you know, <clears throat> is his his view of himself is warped. It's skewed. And I think, Brian, you've talked about this a lot, you know, in terms of the bubble kind of that he is in, where it, it's disconnected from a a more grounded reality that most of us have to live
0: in. For me, I'm looking at this um, with several angles, but, you know, primarily maybe the most interesting is Stephanie McMahon and her attachment to all of this. Um, No doubt, I think, you know, putting a McMahon into that interim position of power is a way to placate some shareholders into thinking that, hey, we have another family. We're losing one McMahon, but we got another. Uh, We know what we're doing, everybody. But I think it's really anything but, you know, with everything that has gone on with her leading up to this point, did they had to have known that this something like this was going to have to happen? And if that was the case, was Stephanie always going to be the one that they were going to be leaning on for this interim role? Um, And if so, how did everything occur with her taking that leave of absence and you know, all the rumor and innuendo that's out there about potentially somebody within that board disparaging her name, leaking that information out there. Uh, what what happened there? And, and, uh, and were they just caught off guard? What What is going on with Stephanie McMahon and all of this?
2: Yeah, I mean, my, my read on it being Stephanie is that I think that that is – you know, we've seen that Vince is still going to be at TV. He's still going to be involved in creative, which, uh, you know, if there were a silver lining of all this WB, it would be getting him out of creative, but that's not happening. Um, and, and that's a still, huge I,
1: part of the, this whole thing is like yeah. this this positioning of him being temporarily removed from power it's he is overseeing his creative duties and there is also like no mention of any changes regarding John Laurinaitis who was named in the Mm -hmm. Wall Street Journal report and I have reached out to WWE about John Laurinaitis's status and there has been no response there but like those are keys to this whole thing it is not like Vince McMahon is being put in the corner temporarily he is still actively involved in the day-to-day of this company on the creative front. I, I have. I would have to say, like,
0: this is showing you that Vince is never letting creative go. Like, he could be <laughs> dipping. He could be mm-hmm. saying, like, I'm out. Like, I'm, I'm the, 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 the way too much hot water. I'm off TV. I'm t- I'm taking myself away. The one thing he's keeping in all of this is his creative role. So he loves doing it. Clearly, he probably considers himself to be an integral part of the job. And I think it also tells you the band has no idea what to do with his free time if no. not this TV show. No,
2: no, he loves, he loves to work. Um, but, you know, going back to the Stephanie thing, I, I, I see her being in that position, um, a level of protection prevents, uh, you mm-hmm. know, as they've stated that no family member will be a part of this investigation. Um, so I think the best he can kind of do to help maybe navigate it, help protect himself a little bit in that role, um, instead of say a Nick con, um, being in that position. Uh, but Stephanie, It is very interesting that Stephanie, a month or so after stepping away, possibly being demoted, is suddenly put in this position. And I think that there is a certain level of um, protecting Vince. Uh, That's kind of how I I read it.
3: I also think, Brian, that there is the PR aspect of it. You know, if if you could say anything about Stephanie McMahon, like she knows how to kind of play that PR game. And also, I think the fact that she's a woman helps you know to whatever degree in terms of optics in this situation to have you know not just some old another old white man take the spot that we're going to have this woman in here who is seemingly progressive and seemingly is looking out for the best interest of the talent i think that is part of the decision as well
1: yeah i i think that it's it's very easy to go into to speculation but i think from from the outside view you can certainly see this uh, these power dynamics at play and you can trace it to the business insider article and the positioning of Stephanie there. And then also the fact that um this story went from a, a private one behind closed doors to the wall street journal and how, and how it gets there as well. Like this, mm. there were <clears throat> a, at least one, if not more people who wanted this out in a, in a major public way. And you know, you're, you're seeing now that, you know, there's a, uh, A law firm that is now seeking out shareholders as well about, uh, what was the role of, of different members and how they're serving their shareholders. Like there are just so many different tentacles to this story and different, like different areas where, uh, you could set off a landmine and there's multiples of them. And also the idea that somehow they skirt by this controversy with. The guy that has the is the most insulated figure in this entire structure because of what he has built around him, the voting power he has that um, that that wields a, a ton of protection in in this kind of a situation, and it comes down to the pressure that is felt externally from all of this it, it's part of the
0: reason that like I find it so fascinating that his go to move at the like at the onset of all of this breaking is to go on t v and, and to do something, whether it be, I mean, he's gone out, out there and has given like real world, real life types of announcements before. But the way that, that it was put put out there in these this press release that it's Mr. McMahon that will show up on TV leads me to at least suspect that it could potentially be um, storyline related. And is that a ploy to somehow maybe confuse the headlines? Like, is it a ploy to maybe, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're getting people that are covering this stuff that don't usually cover this stuff, and I can understand why they wouldn't, because you don't sometimes don't know what storyline or you don't know, like, you know, you Google Mister McMahon, or you Google Vince McMahon, a, a, a plot point might come out um, instead of something else. Is it just a way to like confuse the Google searches and and confuse the headlines?
3: It's 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 a lot, man. Like like I think. John alluded to it earlier, like there is some morbid kind of curiosity around this tonight. Uh, you know, and, and to me, Vince McMahon has always been this weird amalgamation of David Ruffin of the Temptations. You know, ain't no Temptations without David Ruffin. Ain't nobody coming to see you, Otis. This is all about me. I made this. And also a warped version of Steve Rogers from Civil War. The safest hands are our own. Where and I think maybe you know you can speak to this, Brian. It feels like anytime there's a new direction, anytime there's something, you know. And I'm just speaking from a creative <coughs> standpoint. I'm not even talking about legal issues. Vince always seems to bring it back to home base. Like let's let's not get too wild. I got to bring it back to me. And I think this is just an extension of that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. It's we're we're, we're obviously I think all of us are probably going to be checking out. Uh, you know, part of the show tonight. Um, I just. I don't know. I just don't see this not backfiring on Mm. them. Um, yeah, I don't know what Vince can possibly say that looks good. I don't know if it's that, um, if this is his, like, who, who does he see as his audience Mm. when he goes out and speaks? Is this meant to speak to the business community? Is this meant to speak to the sponsors and the networks? Or is this supposed to be a, you know, stand up for WWE thing where he's going to try to rally the fans behind him? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't see how any of those don't backfire. Um, Because as much as, you know, he's going to go on SmackDown or whatever, um, I think we are in the middle of seeing a very real power play happening within this company. Uh, I don't think you can discount the fact that this news broke after the stock market closed and that a large number of shares moved before this. Um, I think that, you know, I, I think there's more going on. And we can speculate and we can kind of guess what we think it might be. Um, But I think there is a very real fight happening right now uh, within this company. And if you think about, you hear the rumors of a cell, Um, I think removing vents and trying to uh, clean this place up is probably a large part of that. I'm kind of reminded a little bit when uh, you think about the Peacock deal, right? Where... They sold everything to Peacock and Peacock was like, everything's going to be on 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 Peacock day one. And it's like, wait, there's a lot of blackface and racist stuff on the network. Mm-hmm. We, we need to go through and watch all this stuff, actually. Mm-hmm. And I can see that being very similar. If you're a company, if you're looking to acquire WWE, if you're thinking about buying it and then suddenly you start to kick the tires and you hear about some of these things and now it's like, well, you guys need to conduct a full internal investigation and audit before we buy this thing. Um wouldn't be surprised if there's an element of that as well.
1: What have you thought so far, Brian, of, of the coverage of this uh, sort of away from the wrestling specific outlets <clears> and and how this is being handled? Because I I do sense like a bit of like the focus more so on uh, hush money being emphasized so much and, and not as much about, um you know, the, the relationship with an ex-employee, the discovery of other NDAs with claims of misconduct as well. And we don't have uh, sort of that face to attach to it that had been potentially r- wronged in a in a situation like this. That is describing things in in detail, and this to me has not crossed over um, into that yet. Um, but but what have you thought of just the the coverage and and what the the mainstream outlets are focusing on here?
2: I mean, for for me, I I the thing I would say to mainstream outlets is. Um, treat this like you would treat any other entertainment organization, uh, any other television uh, production. Um, I think that there have been much bigger stories done about people that are much less important. Um, Treat this thing seriously, really look into this thing and go digging. And I don't think you're going to have to dig very deep (laughs) to find Mm. some stuff. So Mm -hmm. um, that would be my, my, my hope is that uh, that the mainstream will take this seriously. Um, And yeah, like, I get it. People don't want to take wrestling seriously. Um, But I think that there is a lot there and there's stuff that that, this isn't even just speculation stuff that we know things that is almost commonplace for every wrestling fan. Like we know about the tanning salon in 2008, you know, we know about uh, you know, we, we know about referees in in, in the 80s. We know about these things. These are common knowledge um, that honestly, if this was common knowledge about anyone in any other industry, it would have been, it would have been done five years ago. So it's just a thing where I would hope that the mainstream will take this thing seriously because even if you want to look down your nose at at pro wrestling, this is the biggest company in this space. And he has such a massive, um, Mm -hmm. such a massive say. And this NDA and this behavior, it's from this year. This isn't something that was discovered from years ago. This is still going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's a lot that you can kind of just from watching the TV you can tell things that have changed now that John Laurinaitis is back in charge of, of talent. So, like, I think it. I think if someone has a platform, they should take this thing seriously and treat it like they would treat any other entertainment company.
1: And that's sort of like right at the end of this uh, press release, which should be, you know, focused on for sure, is them stating that they're working with a third party to conduct a, a comprehensive review of the company's compliance program, HR function, and overall culture, which could be... Um, Extremely damning results, but ultimately come down to what level of transparency we will see from these findings yeah. and the rabbit hole that you could mm-hmm. go down and how extensive it truly will be. And to have faith in the process, um, you're, you're going to have varying degrees of a um, faith in that in that procedure and what ultimately is disclosed afterwards. And and from the board's perspective of of how they want to display what is found in this when you are seeking uh, decade's worth of a culture uh, led by Vince McMahon.
3: Yep. Yeah. And, and to <clears throat> piggyback off of what Brian said, John, like I hope that people cover this with the same seriousness that we covered the Harvey Weinstein stuff, you know, and and even saying it, it sounds a little hyperbolic to some, maybe to compare Vince to Harvey Weinstein, but you got to look like in, in the professional wrestling business, he's the top guy, man. And has been the top guy, for decades. And as Brian said, a lot of these open secrets have been around. So when you get to the investigation, culture is a key word because there's a lot of things that aren't written down on pieces of paper in companies. There's a lot of things that aren't in the employee handbook. There's a lot of things that aren't on corporate letterheads, but it's in the culture. It's baked into the fiber. It's in the fabric of a company. It's the, the tone that whoever is in charge sets. And so I hope, man, I hope they do a thorough investigation and, you know, bring these things to light because it's something that I've been talking about for a long time. A lot of people have been talking about for a long time in terms of if you foster an attitude that is dismissive of women, if you foster an attitude that is dismissive of, you know, people of color, uh, you foster an attitude that's dismissive of others, then it's it's got to stop somewhere. And, you know, maybe the silver lining in all of this is that it's a chance to spray some disinfectant on this whole thing and put some sunlight on the situation.
1: That, that's what we are at least, at least seeing in the in the immediate uh, mm-hmm. of all of this. When you have such a, a prominent outlet like the Wall Street Journal that dedicates investigative resources to this and you you, you keep going back to tonight's decision and what the mm-hmm. strategy is by Vince McMahon. And it's very hard to get into his head but if history outlines it, it would be the idea of him coming out and somehow um, rallying him, uh, around himself of, of getting – but in this, like, can you state that the – who is the enemy in this? Mm-hmm. Is the enemy the board of directors? Is the enemy the media? Is Like, where are you pointing to? Because this is a legitimate investigation that your company has acknowledged that is being spearheaded by your internal – board of directors that I I don't know who you point at as they're coming after me Um, when I think the plain facts very much put this on the shoulders that at bare minimum, you engaged in a relationship with an employee. And yes, no claims of harassment per his lawyer, Jerry McDivitt. But nonetheless, um, a complete just disregard of your duties as the most powerful person to be engaging In a relationship with someone in your company that ultimately led to a seven-figure settlement. So I I don't know what your play is tonight and what messaging you can possibly – like any lawyer to me would be saying at absolute no – zero chance are you going out on national television to talk about this. And like – like within an hour of a press release that we will not further comment about this until the completion of the investigation. However, the central person being probed is going on national television in front of 2 million viewers tonight. And this turns into almost like a, a stunt is what it feels like.
0: For that reason, like I, I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't even address, you know, these allegations Uh in specific and Mm. we strictly get something more storyline based. Um, also interesting to think about is whether or not he'll be in front of a crowd or if he'll be taped. If it's in front of a crowd, I just – I mean that would make this whole thing even more flabbergasting. Why would he – it, it, it would be
1: terrible footage because you, you will have an audience that is it's, – it's, it's, it's the godlike Vince McMahon showing up in Minneapolis. And I yeah. think – and, yeah. and, and it, believe me, I think – Brian, you can speak to this of Vince McMahon – outlining what that visual will look like of uh, of a crowd at the Target Center embracing this individual Mm -hmm. rather than scorning him, which is what he has faced this week.
2: Well, but also, I I do think, I I mean, I I just personally, I'm always surprised when people cheer Vince McMahon when he comes out, but whatever, (laughs) that's my own personal thoughts on him. Um, I don't think it's out of the possibility that he would be booed if he's Mm. in front of the crowd. Um, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. (laughs) So I could see him maybe doing... Honestly, he shouldn't be doing any of this, especially if uh, you say I will fully, uh, you know, cooperate with the investigation. And then uh, you go on national TV and badmouth the investigation that that doesn't feel like you're cooperating. Um,
1: this is all I, insane. Like, this is all insane. As I'm imagining <laughs> someone being that in that front that, of the, yeah.
2: like, to,
1: to anyone that is just finding our show and doesn't really follow this industry <laughs> with any close proximity and mm-hmm. is hearing us talk about like w- like this. It's insane. It is utterly insane that we are looking at this graphic here.
3: Yeah, this tonight. might be the tune in. Yeah, this and this might be the this the first time in <clears throat> as long as I can remember that Brian Mann is more optimistic than me. Because I feel like, and maybe this is uh disparaging to the good people of Minnesota. I feel like that crowd, if Vince comes out in front of a live crowd, they're gonna love that dude. Because it's Vince McMahon. We're here in his house at his show. I feel like they're gonna they're not gonna be nuanced enough to boo this man. I, I, I don't I, feel like
2: I could see mixed. I could mm. see mixed. You know, hey, listen, maybe to be continue the optimism, maybe Vince knows that writing's on the wall and this is his chance to say goodbye. Mm. Maybe thing that's is, what this is.
0: <laughs> thing is, even if they boot, they have that button that they can always hit. Oh, yeah. You know, running <laughs> around for the yeah. performance check. Cheer.mp3. Yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, what a really- job Michael Cole and Pat McAfee have ahead of them <sighs> themselves tonight.
2: Oh, Pat McAfee is going to have full Sasha Banks face on. Yes, yeah, so
3: I was going to say, keep <laughs> that same energy. Keep that same yeah. energy.
1: Uh, I, I guess as we as we look at you know the the next steps of all of this, it's really mm-hmm. like if you are the WWE, it's like this to me is the ultimate test of a strategy I have certainly d- detected has been a strong one for the company, and my <clears> belief <throat> is that it really was cemented during all of the the, the Saudi Arabia stuff and especially that that second event of the deal mm. after the death of Jamal Khashoggi, the murder of Jamal Khashoggi is withstand the controversy and you will get through the fire and you just withstand all of the criticism and at the end of the day, you come out of it. And th- th- this is a great test of that, but this is also uh, going to be a test on the media as well. Will they have the patience to follow this story of this very bizarre mm-hmm. industry that they cannot separate Fact from fiction, of at times, and the next big news item is is going to hit. Um, this, you know, this is something that made the front page of the Wall Street Journal. This was not <clears> just <throat> simply a, a digital story. Um, but but will this will this have legs? Will there be follow up reporting to this, or will we quietly just hear a, a short press release? The investigation was completed. Um, there there was no uh, wrongdoing found, and and it's quietly moved on. Like they have all the incentive in the world to. Protective Vince McMahon, and I think it comes down to what the external pressures are um, th- that would force any kind of significant change. And based on today's press release, I mean, it's – the man is not taking a full step away from his duties. In fact, he is doubling down and appearing on camera tonight. It's um, yeah. it's like two, two different sides of it.
0: And of course, you know, um, the topic of a lot of people's focus is just the stock price as well and how it affects shareholders – And uh, at least least we could see um, big dip, especially uh, peaking at about like the 1055 mark. But since then, it seems to have bounced back and has recovered and has followed similar trends to the rest of the uh, stocks uh, on the market. So, um, you know, if you're a shareholder, as as always with these sort of calls, um, how much do you care about these stories? And how much do you just simply look at the numbers in the bottom line?
2: Yeah, I the the stock just, they're totally checked out. I mean all you need to know is the fact that Wall Street thinks that Vince has like the Midas touch and that no one else can do this like the fact they put Mm. so much faith in this guy that if you actually paid any attention to the business whatsoever and what the product they're putting out that that he is this company's biggest liability. Um, You know, the thing I keep going back to is if you're looking to sell this thing, you have to fix the culture of it. Um, No one's I think the moment you start kicking the tires on this company, you start to see that you're kind of, you know, you're buying Pandora's box if you don't fix it before, if you're NBC universal or something like that. Um, Yeah. You know, without going too, too deep into it. Um, But I think in terms of the stock, yeah, for, for them, the money's guaranteed. It really doesn't matter. Now I think once if NBC or Fox makes a public statement about Vince, if they start to, you know, make Mm -hmm. overtures that they want Vince out, then I think, You'll see. You know, uh, if a report comes out that you know, like executives at Fox are you know contemplating the future or thinking about pulling you know SmackDown for a couple of weeks, then I think you will. You'll see, um, or, or advertisers, and, and, and I, or advertisers. And, and I don't think it'll be as stark as suddenly next week Fox like cancels WWE. It won't be that. But maybe we suddenly see SmackDown gets moved to FS1 for a month. You know, maybe they they start to send that message of what here's what we can do if you don't you know if you don't become a more reliable business partner
1: is is this um brian do you sense the potential you know vince mcmahon has largely been this like very reclusive figure in the in the public Mm -hmm. spotlight for the majority of the Mm -hmm. last decade plus and that has we have seen a shift with all of these projects built around Vince McMahon from from Netflix to uh, the 94 trial uh, scripted series that's being developed, a reported memoir being shopped around. Like how much does this put um, certain projects that are already in place or ones that are on the table into jeopardy um, if Vince McMahon is, is viewed as a, as a figure that they do not want to touch? Or do you think that he is so, so above that that this will not compromise – especially something like the Netflix uh, deal that has already been, a, been mm-hmm. in place that they've been working on. Because it well, this just, Netflix, just, just changes the Vince McMahon story significantly.
2: I assume that Netflix documentary is being thrown in the trash. I don't think that thing's going to come out. <laughs> you know, if, if mm. I don't see how Netflix could put it out. Um, unless you're like, okay, we're going to completely re-edit this thing and we're going to paint him in a different story. Okay, well then WB is not involved and probably won't sign off on using the footage. So if I had to guess, it's, I wouldn't be surprised if that thing just gets... Just gets thrown away. Um, the scripted series hasn't started shooting yet. Um, I think it kills just a lot of these. I think it kills a lot of these uh, these
3: projects.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Any other final thoughts, Nate? Um, and then we will uh, we'll, we'll briefly chat a little bit about, about TNA as you guys were uh, br- brought on originally to do. But just any um, yeah. a- any thoughts going into the show tonight, or anything we didn't touch upon?
3: I guess my final thought on all of this is we are now in the uncomfortable position where. I believe the only way this changes for the better is through the will of corporations. <clears throat> that's the only way. The money is the only thing that's going to make this work. If they feel like Vince is a liability, then they'll try to get him out the paint. If not, I don't see anything uh, really happening from this, you know, other than a new cycle of scrutiny because uh, i again i don't know what the the mainstream media's appetite for this is <clears> or if they're going to treat it like oh this is just wrestling uh and also we know some networks might even praise Ms. mcmahon for this news coming out so i i don't think that this is going to be something that changes unfortunately uh unless the corporations step in and like hey man you 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 messing with the bag you gotta go that's the only way i think that this changes
1: all right. Well, on that note, uh, we're going to spend a couple of minutes talking about uh, what was originally going to be our focus today. And that is this Sunday, uh, TNA slash Impact Wrestling uh, marks 20 years of existence. And I think if you go back through those 20 years, um, mm. there have been some significant detours. There have been uh, multiple landing spots when it comes to broadcast partners that has uh, brought them to this point now under the, the ownership of – Anthem Sports and Entertainment, and uh, for those that are longtime listeners, they will remember that Nate Milton and Brian Mann were tasked with reviewing Impact on a weekly basis, and it provided some of the most uh, entertaining shows that that we had at the time. And you guys got to experience uh, the good, the bad, and the TNA uh, of it all. And as we as we go into twenty years, Nate, I think that you are someone everyone has a uh, synonymous with 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 the brand. How would you assess its health now and and getting to this point?
3: Yes. Well, first of all, you know, Brian and I did pick up the torch for reviewing impact from you and way. So this this uh, show today is much like the the new rockers meeting the old rockers, the new Midnight Express, chopping it up with the old Midnight Express. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, But I think when you look at TNA, I've always said impact TNA. It is your friend that just can't get right. Like they've got great ideas. At their heart, they're a hardworking person. But for whatever reason, their relationships don't last. Their jobs don't last. They, They might have a substance problem here and there. But they're a good person. And so I think impact is the story of perseverance. And it's also the story of wasted potential. It's also the story of a lot of performers that might not have gotten an opportunity if not for this company being founded. So it's a very best of times, worst of times situation, when you look at the history of this company and how many great folks walked through these doors and stepped in that ring. Uh, But ultimately, the company is not nearly where it could be. You know, looking at Slammiversary this week. Like, Impact has been on a pretty good run the last few years. But the people, the viewers, the eyeballs just aren't there in large part to a lot of the shows that you and Way covered, or particularly the shows that me and Brian covered, you know, where that goodwill that was there when Impact first launched <clears throat> was lost because of so many bad decisions, so many bad hires.
1: Brian, how would you uh-huh. look at um, the, the history of TNA and what was, I, I agree with a lot of what Nate said. It seemed like there was some times when, you know, I, I think like, the roster composition was always like they had the soldiers to go out there. But sometimes mm. it was the roles wow. placed
3: well, in. Wait, how how dare you, sir, on this <laughs> day of celebration, Apologies. put that man <laughs> on the screen?
0: You know, he is an integral part of these 20-year these <laughs> b- histories, yeah. is he not? <sighs> Mr. Uh, Belay himself, mm. yes.
1: Yeah, but to me, I, I look at TNA and the loss of Spike TV was – like such a killer to them, <clears throat> but but not not enough that I mean the company they still found a way to continue onward, and there are probably many companies that would have succumbed at that point. But I thought that was such a, uh, a such a significant blow to them, and here they are now where I don't see a whole lot of negativity around the company at all. But it comes in at a time when you have a uh, an audience that is so concentrated with the their their resources when it comes to time that they have that impact. I mean, they are not that just ultimate alternative that you have. If you're not a WWE viewer, there is a much busier uh, makeup of wrestling companies now. And that that's their fight is just to find eyeballs for their product.
2: Yeah. I'm I'm happy. They're still around. Uh, You know, one of the things I would say uh, many times when we would do review an impact um, was that I don't want TNA or impact to go away Uh, I just don't think like Dixie Carter and some of the other people there should be involved in it. Mm. Um, You know, I want as many places as possible for people to work. It's just very clear that um, a lot of very, uh, you know, uh, just ill-informed decision making really held that thing back. Um, You you think back to, you know, 2010 when they bring in Hogan Mm. and deciding to go down that path of Hogan and Bischoff think about the talent that was out there that WWE wasn't signing and had no interest in signing until triple H revamped NXT. You had Kevin Owens out there. You had Finn Balor out there. I think Seth Rollins had signed. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but just so many of these top guys in WWE now that were available, that could have been, uh, you know, you, you know, when when Heyman flirted with the idea of going there, he talked about, you no know, Danielson. Danielson was available for a period of time mm. when WWE cut him. Um, they just were not interested in being that alternative. They just weren't thinking, they just weren't looking forward. Um, it was a lot of, you know, oh, well, WWE is going to go PG, well, then we're going to be the, the Attitude Era. It was mm. a lot of looking back. It was just, unfortunately, the creative wasn't there. They had the funding. They had the distribution. They had the talent. Um, they just didn't have... The vision. Um, and a lot of what AEW is now, I think, you know, TNA had the ability to be at a certain point. I do think the thing that helps AEW so much is just where social media is now. Um, a talent can get released from WWE and they don't disappear. You still follow them on Instagram. They post the videos. You know, it's it's so telling that uh, you know, just two examples. Ruby Soho comes out, uh, you know, at All Out. The crowd already knows her new name. They know her song. They pop Mm -hmm. when she comes out and they're singing along. Compare that to TNA 2010. Mr. Kennedy comes out and he has to let you know, like, my name is Mr. Anderson. And everyone groans. It's like, oh, you can't use your WWE name. And you're using Mm -hmm. music that's kind of a sound alike. Mm -hmm. Um, or when Matt Hardy, I remember when Matt Hardy debuted, and his Bishop backstage was like, "You want Hardy? I'll give you a Hardy." And it's like because you think it's Jeff, but it's Matt, you know. Um, just things like that, you know. I do think that social media helps AEW a lot. Um, Tina was just, you know, I, I'm glad they existed, um, but they really could have been so much more than they were, and we see them still existing today. This really is the importance of independent ownership. Uh, WCW. Died because it was owned by a company that didn't want him around anymore. Um, AEW could get canceled by Turner next week. That thing's not going anywhere. It, it, Tony Khan will find a way to keep it going. He'll find a place for it, and we see that with Impact. That you know it will continue and it will it will live. And I'm glad it's out there to to give people opportunities and, and a job. Um, you know they are I would say a distant third right now. Um, I think there's still a lot of things they could do better. I mean, the fact that they got Kenny Omega for as long as they did and really didn't capitalize on it, I don't think. You know, he raised interest a little bit, but there is no long term. And I, I do put that on TNA. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm I'm glad they're still around. I'm glad people are still getting jobs. Um, and I also think they're doing a different kind of pro wrestling than, than the two major companies. Uh, and there are people that are there that fit better there. You know, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad they're still around
1: and they i I think if nothing else of this and believe me the anthem era got off to an incredibly rocky start when you go back to um, the, the issues with, with Jeff Jarrett that led to his exit, the brief rebranding to global force wrestling, the very public feud with the Hardys at the time. Like it was like a really bad scene in 2017 and the installation of Scott the More. like they have certainly found stability at this point, which has not been a hallmark of TNA's history of the majority of those 20 years. But Nate, I would say like the comparison I always went back to was when NXT really got rolling, it to me was this is everything TNA should have been in terms of like, uh, here's a Florida based company in, you know, they're not booking giant arenas, but they are catering to an audience that TNA, as Brian mentioned, like, WWE wasn't going after like this sector of talent that TNA, they had the funding behind them. Mm -hmm. And it just to me became a trap of Going for the biggest names, the biggest stars, yeah. and then it suddenly became a one-upmanship where every month, what was the new toy that we could bring in here? And it came at the expense of that core that they ultimately just did not have the the preservation to state these are going to be our stars and they are going to graduate into becoming the, the, the key pillars of our whole company. And instead it got to me – watered down at different times by scooping up every free agent and not having an identity. I think that's a huge part of TNA's history is not having that clear identity and constantly shifting.
3: Yeah. Are, are we Southern wrestling? Are we a hardcore promotion? Are we old school? Are we new school? (coughs) Like, are we flippity floppities? Like what, what, what are we? What is TNA? What is impact wrestling has always been one of the hallmark questions that this company's faced. And, I feel, John, like they they had it, man. They had everything and didn't know what to do with it. You know, you had – from day one, you had the talent, man. Day one, when that company opens its doors, you got people like AJ Styles, James Storm, uh, Low Key, Jerry Lynn on the roster, Elix Skipper. Uh, You know, a few years later, you had somebody like Monty Brown, who I think is one of the biggest missteps in the history of that company in terms of booking and and when to put the rocket behind somebody. You, you've
1: carried that torch for for Monty Brown. For, for
3: <laughs> Monty for years. Brown could have been huge, man. Like Monty Brown could have been. Like I'm not saying they would have beat the WWE, but damn it, we didn't need another Jeff Jarrett title run. Nobody, no I'm sure if we talk to Jeff right now, Jeff would be like, "Yeah, that was my bad, y'all." Uh, because you know, what, you know what he was missing though?
1: <clears throat> Marquis Corvon. That was uh, that's what <laughs> he was missing. It's like can't headline with Monty. I mean, Mar- yeah. The, the name on the marquee, says Corvon. <clears throat>
3: oh. But, yeah, like, they, they had the talent. I feel like Brian's right. Like, it's a combination of uh, misallocated funds, like why are we paying for Hogan and Bischoff and all of Hogan's friends? Like, ain't nobody need to see the nasty boys, man. Like, no disrespect to knobs and Sags. They didn't need the TV time when you have people like uh, Beer <clears throat> Money or people like uh, AJ Styles or uh, people like Kenny King on the roster that could have used that time, and so – you know who started with them the day after that that Monday night three hour show? The Young Bucks. Yes, Generation Me, a Generation I Me, mean, and, and that Whatever goes to going. show you like
1: they had their eye on yeah. talent, but it came to utilization yep. of them. And I would imagine like that is that is that is a blip in the in the Young Bucks history, but yep. for for many people that was probably their first introduction when they came in as Generation Me, and
3: they were hot. Like they, I, I want to think about like that unbreakable period when we got AJ Daniels and Joe. Like there was a time where the audience was behind them, like when you're hearing TNA chants at WWE shows, where where it seemed like, hey, all we need is one more thing to get this over the hump, mm-hmm. and it never came. It never came, Brian.
2: Absolutely, and I, I mean, I don't think, I don't think you could you can overstate the importance of social media in helping AW mm-hmm. and helping the Bullet mm-hmm. Club get over in um, helping. I mean, I, being the elite, I think was a massive way for these performers to connect with their audience directly. Um, TNA just, I, I don't think they ever really properly identified who their audience was. Um, and definitely the way that Dixie talked about them, she certainly didn't respect her audience either. Um, you know, it felt like it was kind of like a project to keep her time, you know, and she trusted a lot of the the, the wrong people, uh, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, that is kind of the, the, the long and short of it uh, with them. Um, yeah, it could it could have been a lot more um, than 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 it, than it was, unfortunately.
0: I think much of the difference is, um, is Dixie a wrestling fan? You know, I think she maybe likes being around professional wrestlers. Maybe she enjoys, you know, owning a, a company um, that, you know, creates professional wrestling. But is she the level of a wrestling fan that he, her audience is? Tony Khan is that person. Tony yes. Khan is a fan. And that is the difference. That That is a major difference in taste and knowing who to push, who to acquire, and what mm-hmm. mistakes not to make for your future. Um, and, you know, uh, we I think that's been something that honestly has been plaguing impact throughout its entire mm-hmm. or most of its uh, ownership.
3: And, you know, AW has the benefit of hindsight. We can see where impact went wrong. We can see where WCW went wrong and avoid those pitfalls. Uh, but I will say, because, you know, obviously the the history of TNA, the history of Impact Wrestling is fraught, but I got to give him credit for a couple things. Number one, with the knockouts, man, I think the way they presented their women, uh, you know, when you got Gail Kim, Awesome Kong, uh, you know, the beautiful people, uh, ODB, like when you treat the, they treat, they were treating the women with a level of respect that the WWE was not at the time. And I thought that was important. Uh the other thing was, you know, speaking specifically as a black wrestling fan, people like Ron Killings, Elix Skipper, you know, Monty Brown, even if they didn't do the best with him, D'Angelo De Niro, you know, Rich Swan, thinking about current day. Like I think there's a lot of black athletes that might not have gotten the same shot in another company that they got in TNA. And so the fact that it was they were able to get TV time, that they were able to make a living and get paid. I always appreciated that. In that TNA, the booking might be all shot to hell, but at least we got a lot of talented people of color. We got a lot of talented women getting a check, at least during the days when TNA was making was able to pay people. Because there was a time when people (laughs) weren't getting them checks.
1: And and this was actually the aftermath of uh, some of those rewind and impact uh, shows that Nate and Brian would do. This is what uh, (laughs) it seemed like afterwards. Some empty (laughs) bottles. Nate, as we as we wrap up uh, th- this discussion, if you're going back and, and you don't have like follow like like business trends of the company, but just for yourself personally, what was what was the high point of mm. Impact Wrestling? If you could go back to a period of time when you felt they were firing on the most cylinders,
3: yeah, and I alluded to it earlier. I think the high point was that unbreakable era where you got you know Joe and Daniels and Styles killing it. You got a hot undercard. You know the women are starting to get a little bit more shine. Uh, you know you're still like, I remember, like, religiously, like, this is back, you know, a little history lesson here, kids. I, I still had the v- TV with the VCR in it at the time. And sometimes I'd had to go to work on nights where Impact was airing. I'm setting the, DV- the, uh, the VCR, programming it to make sure I can catch this Impact Wrestling on Spike TV, man. Like, it, that to me was the height, the apex of Impact <clears throat> Wrestling, uh, you know, we got to the depths when Terry and and Terry and the crew came in, but I think where we're at now in 2022 is an impact wrestling that has an, has a spot, you know, it's not the greatest spot in the world. Like Brian said, at, at best, they're a distant third, maybe even fourth, depending on who you ask, but they're still around, you know, to quote <clears throat> Hamilton, the fact that you're alive is a miracle to stay alive. Would that be enough TNA?
1: On, uh, on, on those words, everybody, could we possibly follow? I, I don't think so. Uh, but guys, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time today to, uh, to join us, also being, uh, flexible as, uh, this giant story, uh, fell on everyone's lap this morning. So, uh, we are going to wrap things up, but way uh, and I no, will we're be-
0: not, John, because no? we have a, couple oh, that's chat. right.
1: TVS, well, of course. <laughs> this is
0: a live stream, of course. And, uh, the first of which comes from the professor Chris Ely, who sends $10. Thank you for the support as always, Professor Chris of the NWA podcast. Uh, co-hosted by Nate Milton and Andrew Thompson, of course. He says, "My God, man, that's all I got, Chris."
3: <laughs> what is the next edition of the uh,
0: NWA podcast thing?
3: So, I, I guess we could kind of uh, talk about the soft reboot, I guess, of the NWA podcast. So, for those that have been following, you listened to the last episode, uh, just due to work schedules, I got behind in terms of you know pr- the production of the <clears> shows, and so me, Chris, and Andrew put our heads together with with uh, John and Way, and so. We're going to be doing uh live editions of the NWA podcast. I believe the first one we're going to do here in June is going to be kind of our test run. And then if that goes, well, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be putting the pedal to the metal. So I'm not looking at a calendar right now, but I believe Saturday, June the 25th, June 25th will be the next edition of the NWA podcast featuring myself, professor Chris and the youngest in charge, Andrew Thompson.
0: Very exciting. Yeah. I look forward to it as uh, well. And, uh, We will have all the details, I'm sure, next week right here at postwrestling.com. We also have a super chat, a couple super chats, actually, from uh, if I can just bring it up here because my thing is all crazy. Sean Francis, who sends $2 to say, news has overshadowed Brother Nate's amazing t-shirt.
3: Not Let's get true. A look at
1: everyone, that. everyone is seeing everyone. Uh, we, we couldn't avoid the TNA <laughs> chat when, when the man is uh
3: it all up, decked that, out here in that the, man, the, the joker thing In a world, John Pollock, where, where we we spent an hour today talking about just the worst of human behavior. There was one man that stood in TNA Brian Man for all that is right and just. And so he he got a little crazy, like to put the makeup on and was yelling at Terry lay in the back. I don't have a problem with that. But yes, TNA. If nothing else, they gave me more time with my man, Sting, the hero of my youth. And it's something that can continues to this day with AEW. So I always salute TNA for, for giving Sting a paycheck.
2: AEW, they need to let him do Joker Sting once. Yes. Like a stadium stampede or something, maybe just a backstage <laughs> thing. Do it once. Just do yes. it mm. once. And, and Danhausen, That'd be great.
3: Oh, yes. Great that'd be, be, idea. That'd be fun. That'd be fun.
0: And not to be overshadowed uh, with his observation, Sean Francis also wants to point out, is that a Talking Heads photo by Brian? That is rad.
2: That is. That is a framed uh, Talking Heads photo. Yes. Good observation.
0: Wonderful. Nice. Thank you so much for the Super Chats, everybody, and thank you for your observations, Sean.
1: All right. Wayne and I are going to be back tonight for members at PostWrestlingCafe.com. Rewind to SmackDown. We'll be live at 11 p.m. Eastern Time talking about Rampage. And SmackDown, whatever happens uh, and comes out of the mouth of Vince McMahon, we will be covering tonight uh, for all Post Wrestling Cafe members. And then uh, this weekend, we will have an edition of the Long and Winding Royal Road dropping on Saturday with W.H. Park and I chatting the legendary tag match from June 9th, 1995. I think everyone knows what that date is synonymous with. And then Sunday, WrestleNomics Radio should be a packed edition of the show uh, with Brandon Thurston and Chris Gullo. So lots to look forward to. And a Slammiversary post-show Sunday night with yours truly uh, for post-wrestling cafe members. So once again, uh, I want to thank Nate Milton and Brian Mann. Uh, You can follow all of their work on online at N, the number eight M O Z A I K and at Brian Max Mann, man with two N's as he will. Two two N's. Everyone is aware. So guys, uh, thanks so much. And also outside interference on YouTube.
2: Yeah. Go check that out. Better than you just crossed uh, a million views actually. And, uh, Congrats. I am working on the next video. It's a little mm. bit a bigger of a lift than I was initially uh okay. thinking. But my, my goal is, and this is the only tease I'll say, I want to make I want to make everyone cry with this one. That's my goal. The mm. Vince McMahon story. I'm <laughs> for tears. All right. Well, nah, there you, we go. You, you guessed it, Way. Mm.
1: That, with that, everyone, thank you to Nate. Thank you to Brian, and of course, to Wei Ting. I am John Pollock and thank you for tuning in to the Post Daily News Show.